0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's curd and law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath.
1: see Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM The Fan. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Uh, our guy Ryan Horvath uh, out this week on vacation from BetMGM Tonight, part of the BetQL Network. I catch him weeknights during the games. Filling in for him, he is Ian Harditz. You know him from the Wendy's Big Show back in the day with Gary Ellerson and Leroy Butler. You can follow him on Twitter at I Uh And now, uh, part of Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. Congratulations, Ian Harditz. a new place for you, for everybody to come find all your stuff. Thank you, sir. Good
2: to be back on the mic with you. But yeah, over at FantasyLife.com, you can also get our always free newsletter. Got a podcast, a whole nine yards going on over there. So absolutely love it. And yeah, absolutely love talking with anyone else that's down to talk a little ball here on a not as lovely June day. we got the Canadians, you know, smoking out our entire freaking state over here in lovely Ohio. But
1: sorry. Uh, otherwise, pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, I've seen I saw did they cancel the New York, Washington baseball game because of all that uh, stuff going on? i think i'm not
2: yeah, staying man. tuned in the baseball but i know i i know i look at my phone and it says the air quality is not good so the uh the dog, yep. the dog dogs aren't getting walked as often in the Hardest household
1: that that's okay they'll, they'll be fine they'll appreciate you later <laughs> uh, uh all right so let, let's give some fancy stuff first let's start with the packers uh i can't i don't think i can come up with another scenario where you've had as much inexperience at wide receiver and tight end on a football team as what this packer team does right now and The refusal by the general manager, who has about $16 million in cap space, I believe, to sign a veteran wide receiver or veteran tight end to help these guys out, and namely Jordan Love out, and just pretty much say you're all going to sink or swim together uh, on that side of the ball is nuts. What are kind of expectations in the fantasy world for a Jordan Love heading into this season? Because we can talk about the rookie class, and we will talk about the rookie class, uh, but there's as many questions around him as there are the guys in the rookie class. So tough,
2: man. I'm looking at overthecap.com. Always, you know, the best place setting for any salary cap info. And the Packers are dead last in wide receiver spending. And sometimes you see that because the team is just investing a lot more, and maybe you know a pass catch or pass first tight end or someone like that. Nope, they're also the sixth lowest in tight end spending. The last. Last skill position player they took in the first round, if you're not counting quarterback, I think was like 02 or 03. And look, incredible tracker. Javon Walker was yes, the last guy. Nailed it. Good job yeah. by you. And look, They've got some amazing second-round wide receivers along the way. I, I understand it's not like Rodgers just was, you know, completely barren offense in terms of pass game weapons out there. So there's been some really good years. But recently, man, it has been terrible. So I don't want to keep hearing about, you know, well, look at Jordy Nelson and look at early career Randall Cobb. And right. all that. Those guys were great. Let's try to get a few more of them in there. So maybe it is going to be Christian Watson. Maybe it is going to be, uh, you know, redoing his thing from the slot. Maybe Romeo Dobbs can build on some of the things he was doing before suffering that ill-timed high ankle sprain but man really not you know exactly putting some extra resources in there to find out so that's just my one problem with this overall because unfortunately with Jordan Love like a lot of other rookie quarter not rookie quarterbacks but young quarterbacks where you are on this tough timeline so I know they were able to get the deal figured out for next season so they do have two years to figure this out but I just don't want to watch Jordan Love go out there this year put up below average numbers across the board and then still be wondering well is he that bad, or do he not really have anyone to throw to? Because right now, I think that latter variable is certainly in play.
1: This is the thing. So when Aaron Rodgers came in behind Brett Favre, he had a veteran wide receiver core to work with, and they lost more games than they won his first year as a starting quarterback. Jordan Love is coming in with no vets. His the biggest vets he's got is Christian Watson, who was hurt, didn't play him the whole, didn't play the whole season. Romeo Dobbs, who was hurt, didn't play the whole season. And Samari Turi, who barely played uh, as that, that seventh-round pick out of Nebraska, who, right. you know, Rodgers was high in last year, whatever. Rodgers, with that those receivers, plus veterans Alan Lazard, veteran Randall Cobb, veteran Mercedes Lewis, veteran Robert Tunyon, lost more games than he won with those vets and those young guys. I'm sorry. If Jordan Love comes in here and they figure out a way to win nine games and win more games than they lose. That is going to be the story of the year as far as I'm concerned, because not only is it on Jordan Love, like you pointed out, like, is he that good or isn't he that good? But it's were the wide receivers running the right routes, Were they making the right adjustments. How much of this is on the wide receivers? How about the rookie tight ends? How many blocks did they miss that he got killed on and stuff like that? There's so much that goes into this and all of the pressure. Peter Bukowski um, from Lockdown Packers uh, pointed this out. The pressure really is on Matt LaFleur because when they hired Matt LaFleur, this was about the quarterback after Aaron Rodgers. They didn't think Aaron Rodgers was going to be this long in Green Bay. Right. He was coming off a couple of down years by Aaron Rodgers standards, not by everybody else's standards, but by Rodgers standards. And they thought that he was probably coming up on the other side of his career. So they were going to move on. Then that lit a fire under Rodgers. But he went on won a couple MVPs and screwed up their whole plan. <laughs> but this is why they hired LaFleur was to run his offense and win without having that Hall of Fame-type quarterback. Now, maybe Jordan Love is a Hall of Fame quarterback at some point, but this truly is the true litmus test. And in my opinion, LaFleur and the offense deserve a honeymoon this year to kind of take their lumps and see what happens. And then let's see the following season what this all kind of looks like.
2: Yeah, but again... To your point, though, it just feels like this is going to be a bit of a wasted season, and we'll see what happens. Wins, loss. I know it's a weak uh, you know, division and everything like that, and I do think just the organization in general, I mean, go back their entire freaking history. They do deserve yeah. some level of benefit of the doubt here, just with, even just in the LaFleur era, for him to you know do what he did. Yes, with Rodgers there, but we certainly saw him take Rodgers out of a rut. I mean, whether that was because they drafted Love and Rodgers got that fire under his ass as you yeah. are bringing it up or not, but still, I mean, we can give LaFleur some credit here, but Again, it's just one of these things we're looking at from last year. PFFs reigning third-ranked offensive line. Aaron Jones, one of the most efficient rushers in football. A.J. Dillon really started to get things going, you know, in the back half of the year, which makes sense. My God, I'd be terrified to tackle that guy once November and uh, December come around. So it just comes back to these pass catchers. So, hey, they did add, you know, the pair of day – uh, the pair of day two tight ends, and they got Reed in there as well, another day two option. So it's not like they completely ignored the position, but every single free agency and trade, when you see all these teams, you know, jo- Josh Allen, the Bills, they got him his Stefan Diggs, the Browns with Baker, they at least tried. They got him OBJ in 2019. Jalen Hurts got AJ Brown, Kyler Murray got DeAndre Hopkins, yep. like Justin Fields got DJ Moore. The list goes on and on where these teams, especially when you have the benefit of having a quarterback on their rookie deal, providing you salary cap relief elsewhere, you got to get him some sort of proven, if not high end, at least mid-high end uh, sort of wide receiver one out there. And that just is the one spot that I still think is missing. So, hey, Christian Watson was incredibly efficient. You know, he had that four-game stretch where he was just balling out, making the big plays. I know Love even, you know, hooked up with them for that 70-yard touchdown against the Eagles. I think a little bit more to do with Watson after the catch, but whatever, hit him in stride. So, it just comes down to really more than anything, like how good can those wide receivers be? and honestly, it just sucks because all these guys and Musgrave and Craft, you know, the rookie tight ends as well, they're just being asked to do so much within their first two seasons in the league. So feels to me like a year that's going to have more downs and ups on offense. And yeah, coming from a team, I think to your original point where it's like looking at this group last year with Rodgers and for them to only finish 14th in scoring, certainly don't think that's going to be on the way up.
1: Did you, you see the Romeo Dobbs comment? Uh, the other day uh, to Dennis Krause, Spectrum News one saying that, you know, he doesn't see why Jordan Love can't do what Aaron Rodgers did. Uh, and everybody went crazy, right? Made it all all over the talking head programs and everything else. And I said this on the last Curtin Long program, and I'm going to say the same thing to you. Romeo Dobbs did not play with Hall of Fame quarterback aaron Rodgers. he did not play with mvp aaron Rodgers. that's not who he was last year he was not that dude Rodgers did not have a great year last year by his standards and as pointed out they lost more than they won so for him to say i can't see i don't see why jordan love can't be as good as what i just played with last year i don't think that's crazy i don't everybody looks at it as oh romeo dobbs is ripping aaron he only played with him one year who knows how many games he's actually actually seen Aaron Rodgers even play on TV to this point. He's a young dude, man. He probably hasn't seen a majority of Aaron Rodgers play. He only knows the one experience that he had. And again, Rodgers wasn't great at the end of the day. Having said that, how does this affect Aaron Jones' draft st- status in fantasy football without having that quarterback to take pressure off of him? And assuming until Jordan Loves proves otherwise, they're probably going to walk guys up on the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, real quick with Dobbs. I mean, I didn't get the full quote there, but as someone who, you know, podcasts for a living, basically, and, you know, I'm constantly having quotes out there from myself on these graphics and stuff. It's amazing how, uh, you know, one to two sentences get put on there. You know, they leave out the other paragraphs of explanation and context that you added to that quote. So I just feel bad with some of these players. And again, what was he doing? Ultimately, he was trying to hype up his quarterback in Jordan Love. You know, if Dobbs would have gone out there and said, you know, no, Jordan Love doesn't hold a candle or Rogers. No one's ever going to be as good as Rogers. Then we'd be talking about why doesn't he believe in Jordan Love? So can't catch a break sometimes uh, with these interviews. And it's, you know, if players weren't even if players weren't forced to, I guess, do these segments, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't because the amount of times their words get twisted, even Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, like today, the day that we're recording this here on a lovely Wednesday, like just coming out and he was trying to compliment the scheme that he's been playing in for over four years with his former defensive coordinator. And it gets twisted in the saying that this Dolphins defense is better than any group he played with, with the Rams. So Always something that people are finding something to be outraged about. And, uh, you know, for Dobbs' case, I I can uh, relate to that just a little bit. With Aaron Jones, though, incredible last year. One of the charts that I like to send out throughout the season is trying to look at running back play – Independent of their offensive line, because mentioned that before, and really for the past you know decade, been a really good one offensive line after another in Green Bay. So I like to look at yards after contact and missed tackles force per carry, two things that tend to be more so due to the running backs performance to anyone else. And last year, man, Aaron Jones was arguably the best running back in the league when you do combine those things. I mean, overall, 10th yards after contact per carry. He was also breaking tackles at a top five rate. pff second highest graded rusher of the entire season among thirty three qualified backs that said is starting to get a little bit long in the tooth and as we've seen man whether it's Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon in this LaFleur offense he is not going to get that three down workhorse workload that we think someone of his talents truly deserves over these past uh, two years now we've seen A.J. Dillon work as the number two but it hasn't been this you know like what we would prefer would be almost like an alvin kamara mark ingram situation like let, yes. Dilla, let dylan get the majority of the rush attempts use them in on short yardage and goal line situations let aaron jones just be the awesome receiver that he is and everything and then also still get some carries but be more of a slasher type it's been more of a true 1a 1b situation so again over these last two years aaron jones has or just last year in particular aaron jones 213 carries don't have 186 like we don't need that many more carries for Jones to be great. Austin Eckler is ripping off RB1 finishes and not even clearing, you know, 210 carries. It's the fact that last year Jones got 72 targets and Dylan got 43 in his own right that has been the problem. And again, that's been consistent really over these years 137 to 80 targets over the past two years, 384 to 373 rush attempts. So I think the one allure with either guy, and, you know, Dylan is quite a bit cheaper than Jones over there in Fantasyland, both are one injury away to the other to I think having something closer to a three down roll but as things stand especially I think to your initial point when you put in the idea that not going to be looking at a top 10 scoring offense this year uh, in Green Bay it's going to be tough for Jonesy to really break through and be more than I think that Mid-tier RB2, he's kind of being drafted at. So, right now, I have Aaron Jones as my RB16. He's right next to guys like Najee Harris, Kenneth Walker, J.K. Dobbins. So, hey, the talent, the player, like if you want to say Aaron Jones is a top five running back right now in the NFL, like there are advanced data that you can use to back up that opinion. Put on the freaking tape from last year. He was awesome. But – You know, shocking rocket science note here. Can't score fantasy points if you're not getting the ball. And just in terms of, you know, the rest of the RB landscape around the league, Aaron Jones' total volume leaves a lot to be
0: desired. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild
1: You know that's that's the other thing uh, that's going to be interesting, at least from a Packer fan standpoint, because while Rodgers was here, it was a quote partnership between Rodgers and Lafleur, and what this offense was. This never was truly Matt Lafleur's offense that he wanted to run when he got here. Now, it's going to be Matt LaFleur's offense. This is not going to be a Jordan Love-Matt LaFleur partnership. This is going to be Matt LaFleur calling plays and Jordan Love running what he wants. It's not going to be the Hall of Famer telling him, nah, I'm going to run this instead. Nah, man, I think on fourth and one, I'm going to throw it 50 yards. Uh, no, we're going to do it my way. Okay, well, that's those days are done. So, in that aspect, that also, I think, leaves some question marks as far as how will they use these two guys now? The one thing that we've always wanted as Packer fans is, we want them both in the backfield more often together, you know, split backfield pro set. Even if you want to go to the eye formation, let Dylan be that bruising fullback or getting that handoff like the Mike Allstott days and let him run over some jokers to clear some room for Aaron Jones. Maybe they bring that out. That's what I think Packer fans want to see how much different this offense is going to be. Going back to that Romeo Dobbs thing. I got the whole thing here from uh, spectrum news. One is Dennis Krause. put the question and the answer, the whole thing on his okay. website. He said, obviously, there's been a change of quarterback. Do you see a difference in Jordan? That was the question. Mm -hmm. Romeo Dobbs said, no, I think Jordan can do it. I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was a really great quarterback, but I believe Jordan can do the same exact thing, so I don't really see what's the big difference.
2: Maybe leave out that last little, one. I don't see what the big difference is, but everything before that, man, I thought was reasonable enough. So, again, it's just like, uh, you know, I don't think it makes sense for any teammate to put, you know, a ceiling on what, the, what anyone Agreed. else on their team is capable yes. of. So, yeah, maybe that last part. But, again, what's what's Romeo's job, man? It's to go catch footballs and make yes. plays, not to be a public speaking expert. Yes.
1: So. No, I I'm I love it. Because, again, Jordan Love needs all the confidence he can get from his teammates and, and belief in him. And anytime you can get guys to publicly do that, that's great. All right, let, let's talk about uh, the rest of this this NFC North here a little bit. Let's talk about Justin Fields because I'll tell you one thing that that dude nothing he did, but the media that surrounds him has been the thing that has drove me the most crazy all off season. I've heard people in Chicago talk about MVP candidate. I've heard people in Chicago tell me that they'll have the quarterback advantage in most matchups on their schedule this year. All this nonsense. The dude threw for two hundred yards or more twice, two times, all of last season. And then I was like, oh, well, he probably ran for over a hundred yards a bunch. Nope, didn't do that either. Fumbles the ball a bunch. Isn't a great decision maker, folks. I'm sorry. I'm not all in on Justin Fields. And again, I'm in Milwaukee, Chicago, so I get all the Chicago sports talks. So I listen to all of them talking about him. Then I see the national guys on Twitter, loving them some Justin Fields. DJ Moore is a hell of a player. Don't get me wrong. I'm still not convinced Justin Fields is. I'm going to have to be sold on this beforehand. I'm curious, how high is Justin Fields uh, on uh, the list of players that you have right now over there at Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life, Ian Harden's?
2: QB five. I have Hertz, Allen, Mahomes, and Lamar ahead of him. I think nah, if you want to go
1: five overall, guess where? Quarterbacks.
2: Where do you think he finished last year? Where do you think he finished last year?
1: Uh, I have no idea. Uh, five. 15th. five, five, he- and he sucked.
2: Yes, because it's fantasy football. It's not real oh. life football, man. And when you run for the second most yards in NFL history, you're going to rack up fantasy points, man. Rushing quarterbacks and receiving running backs. Those are the two yeah, ar- yeah, archetypes yeah. in fantasy football that we see more average real life talents become fantasy stars. Like, all due respect to, you know, Austin Eckler out there, but like, if we were building a team and like you legit wanted like, okay like you were trying you know we're playing the aliens like to defend planet earth or something You need <laughs> the best running back possible out there like i don't think anyone's looking at eckler saying no. oh that's the guy with the most explosion or the most right. tackle breaking ability he gets forced fed a lot of checkdowns in an offense that had like all their wide receivers get wiped out there so just again in fantasy i, I get it man the yard's 152 passing yards per game and 27 career contests. Like it is brutal. He's down there with guys like Tyrod Taylor, Tim Tebow, and Taysom Hill. But guess what? All those guys at one point or another were also consistent fantasy QB ones because that's how consistent and just that rushing upside can be in fantasy land. So overall, like here's the stat, man. 13 of 14 quarterbacks with 125 plus carries in the season were top 12 fantasy quarterback per game. So I'm not even just rewarding the guys that, you know, were just able to stay healthy for six. 16- 17 games out there per game scoring. And all those guys are able to post top 12 numbers. So the floor is just so high. And the one thing I will say with field's, Look at this offense. This is what I was talking about with Jordan Love. I don't want to lose a year where I'm saying this exact same thing about Jordan Love next year because with Fields, he entered last season with his top wide receivers being Darnell Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown, and oh my gosh, week eight or nine. Okay, Fields is showing us something. Let's bring in the savior. Let's trade the 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool, (laughs) Claypool. man. So it's like, all right, we already had – Already had a group of wide receivers that anyone would say is a bottom five, probably a bottom three group in the league. And then Mooney got hurt. And then Claypool couldn't even learn the playbook out there. And I feel like I'm even forgetting someone about this. Like Byron Pringle and Equinemia St. Brown were unironically this offense is like top two wide receivers last year. So adding DJ Moore, I don't think I'm with you. I don't think that's going to completely, you know, fix this overnight, but it's also not like, you know, we've seen fields go out there and make a, at least a handful man of absolutely incredible throws. So he's already the NFL's all time record holder for 50 plus rushing touchdowns in a season. What is the, what is the bear
1: salary cap situation? Would they make sense for Deandre Hopkins? Because then you really would give Justin Fields something. Then it's Hopkins and DJ Moore. Then you could start talking about okay, dude, you better be that guy now because you got two legit receivers. And if Mooney's that third guy, now you got something in Chicago. Now, Packer fans right now are probably throwing stuff. Uh me They're Justin's by far.
2: They're by far the most cap space. Still, even after you know, yes. going out of the way with uh, you know, getting Edmonds and some of those high price defensive signings. So hey, exactly, man. Look, they gave they believe in Justin Fields. They proved that when they got red the number one overall pick and they got DJ and they've lowered up around him. And I think this year, with an offseason of Claypool learning the playbook with Mooney with DJ Moore. <sighs> I haven't gone through and done my wide receiver rankings yet. I think they could be bottom 10 instead of bottom five. Still not beautiful. But, yeah, let's add Hopkins to the equation and see what happens. Because, again, you're about to be in a situation where you're going to have – let's see, this will be Fields' third year, so we'll have – Yeah, I mean, look, you're talking about another year, year plus max until you got to look to play Justin Fields, this $150, $200 million contract. So, now, you know, the clock is ticking. Let's find out, get the weapons around him, and see if Fields can be your long-term answer. Because, look, all this stuff in fantasy for 2023, man, like, I'm sticking with it. But if you want to go dynasty or real life, like, yeah, I 100% see the cause for concern regarding whether or not Fields can be the long-term answer under center.
1: This year in fantasy, though, man, yeah, keep drafting them. So Fields is definitely the guy on offense. Is there anybody else worth taking in the first half of a draft on that offense? Because even at running back, I'm not sold.
2: No, and it's just a muddled mess in the backfield. I think it's going to be a three-headed committee. DJ Moore is the one guy going fairly early. And I do think, man, like you want to talk about our generations like Andre Johnson. Not not that he was ever as great as Andre Johnson, but just one mediocre quarterback after another. It's either DJ Moore or Terry McLaurin, man. Just the guys they've had to deal with is absolutely brutal. So I think DJ Moore is, you know – Fifth, sixth round, I think it's reasonable. Sometimes he's a little bit too expensive for me. But otherwise, man, not great. And this is something we've seen over time with teams like the Eagles, teams like the Bills, teams like the Ravens. I mean, those are offenses that have been a lot better than what the Bears have been, obviously, in terms of just scoring points. But even with that, we haven't seen high-end running backs and we haven't usually seen more than one high-end pass catcher because as great as those quarterbacks' dual threat ability is for their own fantasy value and a lot of times for their own like real-life teams, uh you know winning aspirations really hurts everyone else because you know instead of throwing the ball more you're getting scrambles and then once you get inside the 10 yard line those guys you know are just as willing to kind of put their head down and go score as they would be handing off to a running back
1: talk with ian Hardis. follow him on twitter at i it, of course of matthew barry's fantasy life let's talk about the lions they got absolutely slaughtered uh for the jameer gibbs pick the running back out of alabama Uh, And again, they lost Jamal Williams last offseason with the case with that being the case. I agree that you don't want to take a running back that high. I agree that B. John Robinson to Atlanta wasn't a guy that probably most years you would take. But in Atlanta, the head coach specializes in running the damn football. He gets praised by everybody around the NFL for his running schemes. So that makes sense, right? That gives them a true explosive player to go with Pitts, go with Drake London. Again, another unproven guy in Ritter who you saw four games last year. Don't know how good he'll be, but that, that made sense. Gibbs to Detroit, I don't know. Like on paper, he's explosive. He couldn't be a difference maker, but will they use him the right way? And I just saw Dan Campbell saying Jared Goff is better now than he ever was with the Rams. Uh, so, OK, fine, I guess. And he went on to talk about how, you know, they're teaching him, uh, you know, protections and all this other stuff that apparently he didn't have responsibility for with the Rams. And now he's learning all that stuff, which make him a better quarterback. What do you make of Gibbs uh, in that offense and how high do you think he's uh, going at this point?
2: I mean, as bad of a real life pick as I do think it was, because who was watching the Lions last year going, man, if we could just, you know, get a different group of running backs in here, you know, we'd really be cooking because of just what Swift's been able to do there efficiency wise, especially in the past game. And, you know, Mr. 17 touchdowns, Jamal Williams. But that said, Jameer Gibbs and Dave Montgomery, I think you could argue our upgrades over both of those players. And as much as, you know, we're not going to see Gibbs be this 250, 300 carry guy per season. Again, back to the Eckler point, like, you don't have to be if you're catching a lot of passes and that is what he specializes in so over these past three seasons man deandre swift fourth in targets per game behind only eckler kamara and leonard fournette and he fell out of favor in detroit exactly and he was still out there racking up a lot of fancy yep. points because he was their primary pass down back so ultimately man we just don't see running backs drafted this high that don't get to handle a pretty big workload 10 of the 12 first round rbs drafted since 2015 racked up at least 197 touches and i think cmc was the guy kind of that i had to do the 197 touch qualifier instead of 200 plus there but that could be what we're looking at a rookie year version of cmc where you are seeing him give way a lot of times on early Downs in this case, it'll be to David Montgomery, who's you know well enough qualified to handle that. But when it gets time for those fancy friendly pass down work, man, it's all going to be Gibbs. Historically, in full PPR scoring, just one target is worth in terms of expected fantasy points about 2.7 carries. So, look, when you talk about guys like you know Debo Samuel over the years and getting these extra rush attempts. We'll take more touches if it's just more touches. But in terms of like targets versus carries, we'll take targets eight days of the week, man. I think Gibbs is going to have a lot of them. So I'm pretty high on Gibbs. I do have him ranked as my RB13 right now because... I think him going next to guys like ETN, like Najee Harris, even like Aaron Jones, man, I think Gibbs is one of very few running backs out there that has a chance of actually flirting with the triple digit target total. So once I get past the guys that I'm really certain are going to be their workhorse running backs, you know, Mixon, Stevenson, Derrick Henry, those types of guys, I get it. Cause they could legit have like an extra hundred touches period sure. over what Gibbs is working with. But again, in the year 2023, there's only so many workhorse running backs left. And if you're not going to be a workhorse running back, being that explosive pass-catching asset like Gibbs is set up to be, that's the next best thing. What about the Laporta
1: pick, though, at tight end? I mean, I I thought the Packers were going to end up with Laporta coming in. We were doing all these mock drafts, right? And you knew the Packers were going to take at least one tight end. I didn't see him taking two tight ends in the same round. But I thought by the time it was all said and done, they'd get at least Laporta because the Packers have always had an infatuation with Iowa players. Either side of the ball doesn't matter. They've always liked... That Ferentz coaching staff, how he coaches him, gets him ready for the pros. They've always they've always liked that that team and whoever they produce. So they get and get him. I thought it was a good pick by the Lions because I, I think he can add to what that Lions offense already has. Yeah, and
2: it was a relatively low cost way of them to get a high upside player to position, not have to pay Hawkinson, you know, big time contract extension. So I'm fine with that pick uh, for sure. In terms of fantasy, dude, it's just the hardest position for these guys to go out there and do much of anything in year one because they got to be ready as both a receiver and as that inline blocker more times than not. And that is where Laporta profiles. Like he is a true inline wide tight end who's going to be out there and be a badass blocker just as much as he's going to be the possession receiver. So only three rookie tight ends have posted top 12 numbers in fantasy over the past 10 years jordan reed evan ingram and kyle pitts and those latter two man like ingram that was the year where obj broke his ankle after four games the kyle pitts is when calvin ridley only played five games due to his broken foot and everything going on there so and even jordan reed like he kind of only played nine games that year and we remember how freaking great he was he as was. a receiver so willaporta well, man again history tells us that these rookie year tight ends are gonna have a pretty hard time you know Know, getting stuff done unless they're going to be used as a bona fide wide receiver, which is, you know, kind of what we're hearing about Dalton Kincaid over there in Buffalo. So, and Musgrave
1: but, and Green Bay could be used the same way. We'll yep. see, man.
2: We'll see. But that history of LaFleur just rotating those guys yep. one after another, I'd be a little concerned there. So Laporta, great real life addition. I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, much of a fancy asset though, at least in
1: year one. I don't think there's much to talk about in Minnesota other than if they move Delvin Cook. What does that do for everybody involved if Delvin Cook gets moved? There was talk that. He almost got moved earlier in the year to the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if that still happens one way or the other. There hasn't been a lot of talk. As a Vikings fan, I'd be livid if they traded Delvin Cook myself. Even though the guy can't stay healthy, I'd be hot. Uh, Your thoughts on Delvin Cook (laughs) and possibly moving on.
2: Yeah, I just uh, actually podcasted with uh, Matthew Collar earlier this morning. He does great stuff. Yeah, Purple Insider, you know, so whatever he says, I usually take as gospel and he is expecting Cook to be on his way out. And again, we have seen this now for weeks. My confusion with it was, again, looking at the salary capes, capes, salary cap excuse me the Vikings are 24th right now so yeah they don't have a ton of spending but they don't it's not like they can't sign their rookie class unless they cut Dalvin Cook that was kind of how it was being made out to me so the bigger thing seems like they want to release him so they can roll over some money and have extra room for the Neil Hunter and Justin Jefferson extensions which you know Okay, but if that's the case, I'm just confused why they didn't use a little bit more money throughout this offseason, or at least draft capital, to go try to get someone to replace him. Because they gave Alexander Madison, who's been a perfectly fine backup throughout his career, fantastic hurdler. They gave him, you know, five six million in guaranteed money. Didn't they use a seventh round pick on Dwayne McBride? And now it's like Madison, Kane Nawanu, who's a great kick returner. We got a uh, Ty Chandler doing his thing there as well, and then McBride. But like, that's easily a bottom five running back room in the NFL. Yeah. If you are gonna have a bottom five position group it probably should be running back you know in today's salary cap league and all that but I just look at the Vikings as a team that should at least be trying to win now they just went 13 and four and we can talk about it that was a little bit fluky based on the one score record and things like that but Kirk Cousins like I don't know man this seems like a move that's definitely not helping you in 2023 and I figured they would have had all their eggs in that basket so
1: and Madison's, this is the last year yeah. of his deal So you're just putting even more pressure on this dude to have to go win without a running back if that happens. If I'm Cousins, I'm hot because I got to go make me some money after this year, and you're making my job even more difficult.
2: Yeah. And look, I understand Dalvin Cook probably isn't the same player he was. He's not the same player as he was when he was 24, 25, sure. but like you're still better off with him when, again, I just listed the other options in this backfield. So I don't quite get that whole uh, situation because, you know, when you look at another veteran running back in Joe Mixon and Cincy, where it was a similar thing, like they could get out of this deal with a post June 1st cut or a trade. Uh, and you look at what Cincy did the whole offseason and they didn't really replace him. So now it's looking like, okay, it's probably going to be Mixon's role because they didn't add any meaningful resources to that room in order to replace them kind of the same thing in minnesota but they're apparently still going to be getting rid of him so i'd love to see him end up in miami i know that's been the constant you know just link and i think for good reason you know adding him to that offense instant bell cow roll in a place where i think he could be flirting with that 300 touch count past that though it gets tough because again there are teams like the rams out there and um there's another one broncos to make a little bit of sense but there are a few teams out there that i think you can envision getting the workhorse role but they're kind of in a similar situation as the vikings where they don't have have all that much money to throw around at a running back like Dalvin Cook. So if not the Dolphins, I guess we could hope for, you know, kind of a goal line committee role with a team like the Cowboys, the Chargers. And yeah, I think he could probably put up RB three numbers with that. But yeah, not looking good for Cook. And I'd also, you know, refrain from spending too highly on Madison
1: uh, if he does end up getting the starting role. Bears. Yeah, Again, I go back to the Bears who have all this money. Dalvin Cook would be... It could. Uh, it, an upgrade of nothing else over what they've got right now, right? Yeah, he would be. Again, Dalvin Cook would make all 32
2: NFL rooms. That- all- NFL running back room is better. It just comes down to teams aren't wanting to pay the position. And yep. as his contract stands right now, I believe he's making the third most per year of any RB, you know, other than Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. So, hey, he's not washed. I mean, okay, his efficiency did go down last year, but, you know, still almost had 1,500 total yards and 10 right. touchdowns out there. So the big thing in Minnesota is their running backs ranked 27th in targets last year. Uh, and that was their first season with Kevin O'Connell, who is a Sean McVay disciple, who also hasn't been keeping his RBs involved. In the past game, so that's kind of the problem with like expecting Madison or Cook if he returns to go too crazy in fantasy land because again, want those targets, and there's just not too many to go around in Minnesota.
1: Last question, and then uh, we'll call it a podcast. Give me your top three rookies that you like, uh, in fantasy going into this season. Top three rookies, we talked about Gibbs. I don't know if he'd be in your top three or not. But top three guys,
2: I'll go I think you- Got to pick the running backs, Gibbs, and of course, Bijan Robinson. Just again, was anyone watching the Falcons last year? Tyler Algier actually emerging as
1: his fifth round gem, Cordero Patterson doing his thing. Like, my kid's a Falcons fan. He did not want Bijan. He's like, We got Algier. We don't need him. We need help on defense. I don't need him. And he was all mad. And I'm like, Dude, I get it. I'm with you but just please trust me by the end of this season, he's going to be your favorite player. And then you just watch all the off the field interviews and everything else. Dude's like a complete class act. It's going to be awesome.
2: And that's yeah. why I hate this whole discourse, man. It's only because the NFL has a salary cap and they always say, oh, so we can have parity even though there's more MLB champions in the NFL and they don't have a salary cap. But, you know, it's only at the NFL level that we get this, oh, running backs don't matter, the idea through our mind. Like if running backs truly didn't matter, like would Nick Saban be trying to recruit the best five-star he could every year? Exactly. No, he wouldn't be wasting his time on it. So I hear you 100% on that. And Bijan again, is going to be awesome, just like I believe Jameer Gibbs is going to be awesome. But we can't just... <laughs> Just let running backs be awesome without immediately Talking about you know how their positional Value isn't as high as it uh, you know Should be compared to other positions but Again Bijan going into the same Offense led by Arthur Smith that you know just Helped Derrick Henry reach absolutely Ridiculous heights over the years fully expecting Bijan to be a legit top Five fantasy back from day one With that talent and also in that role he's Going to have in Atlanta already talked About Jameer Gibbs so the last guy I would bring Up is similar sentiment to what we Talked about with Justin Fields man but in this case is going to be Anthony Richardson over there with the Colts. I'm a Colts fan too. so
1: I'm very excited to hear you say that, even though I don't think he's all that accurate. But like Fields, he can run.
2: Exactly, man. In fantasy land, that's all we need. So, even before Josh Allen became this real life world beater in 2020, man, like once they added digs there and now he's just been throwing for 35 tutties like clockwork, you know, just got the Madden cover doing right. his thing. Even before then, though, even before, you know, he was just out there running around like a chicken with his head cut off, you know, throwing laterals in the wild card game over his head and stuff. Like, even before then, Josh Allen was a very good fantasy quarterback because of that rushing ability. So, with Anthony Richardson, man, like, yeah, I do expect it to be a pretty steep learning curve like other than Michael Pittman who is good good quality wide receiver one we'll say maybe be better off as a high-end wide receiver two but thank you he's good otherwise not really working with uh, that many great weapons out there but again in fantasy football don't think it's going to matter Anthony Richardson really tough to keep out of the top 10 top 11 quarterbacks once you again just start looking at that raw rushing upside so really hope they don't mess around with this Gardner Minshew thing for all that long only Five quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 since 2010 have started fewer than 10 games. So really don't think it'll be more than a week or two, if at all. I tend to think Richardson will be that week one starter. And yeah, man, like if you're trying to save, you know, your fancy draft capital and you don't want to pay a third round price on a Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes, you got to start looking down the board and say, OK, well, who are the cheap options? who could feasibly be these guys who have the archetype Anthony Richardson and to a lesser extent, Daniel Jones, I think are those guys.
1: Again, I mean, last year, Colts' offensive line was trash after being one of the better offensive lines. Taylor couldn't stay on the field, and when he was, he wasn't the same guy, the former Badger running back. But if he rebounds and that offensive line gets it figured out, and and what everybody says is true, which is your head coach is a guy that made Jalen Hurts a quarterback who everybody thought was done, like, oh, he's not the guy. They got to find somebody better. This is not the dude, into what he turned out to be, which now everybody's like, oh, man, see that Jalen Hurts? It's unbelievable. And formed an offense around what he had, which everybody expects to be similar in Indianapolis, but with a better running back behind the quarterback than what Philly had.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, Jalen Hurts, like that's the guys like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. I mean, it's just when you have all those tools, man, for better and for worse, they force defenses to account for every square inch of the football field. They have the arm strength. They have the mobility. So horizontally and vertically, they can just stress every single piece of that defense. So you see guys like Jalen Hurts, 50 percent completion rate in 2020 like that is horrifically bad oh. in the year 2023 when a lot of teams are you know designing short stuff that inflate completion percentages you know the in the other direction but again those rapid improvements not only from the coaching but also adding some actual weapons around them so i don't think that we're going to see you know a 2022 version of Hertz, you know from anthony richardson sure, this year right. one or anything like that but again let him get out there let him just start working through uh just some of the learning curve he's going to have because unlike a lot of these quarterbacks quarterbacks that are being selected as top 10 picks you know they've been working with you know an ex-professional QB as their coach since they were in high school and all this like Anthony Richardson as we talked about throughout the draft process you know basically converted from wide receiver halfway through his uh, high school career misses his you know senior season with an injury and then he has to go play behind Kyle Trask at least for a little bit and then you end up not even having that many starts to begin with so he's raw from the standpoint that he just hasn't had a ton of reps out there so let's get on those reps and watch him rack
1: up a lot of fancy points in the Meantime. No doubt. He is Ian Harditz at I uh on Twitter. Of course, follow him and Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life as well. Thanks for coming on, dude. Really appreciate it, man. And uh, we will talk down the lines. We get closer to the season, I am sure.
2: Yes, sir. Good time, brother. Appreciate you having me.